Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It's good to be with you all this morning. We're starting a new series called Kingdom Stories, where we're going to be looking at parables for the next few weeks. As we imagine the kingdom of God is described in scripture, it can be quite a nebulous image, especially as we live in an image-oriented culture where we have Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, where places all around the world are easily captured and shared. We can instantaneously think, hey, I want to go there. I want to do that. I want to escape. Maybe we're experiencing some of those longings even more during the pandemic. Well, back in ancient times, the Israelites had a certain image of God's kingdom in mind. They thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear almost instantaneously and envisioned an earthly kingdom with Jerusalem at its center. And so Jesus had to undo years and years of teaching to cast a new vision. He taught that the kingdom of God was spiritual and internal. It's not this physical kingdom and that kingdom wouldn't be fully established until his return. He cast vision for the kingdom of God through illustrations that related to their everyday life for people in the ancient world to help them understand kingdom values, what it looks like to live a new life with God and their role until his return. Though the illustrations are less relatable to our lives today, the biblical truths are timeless and they point us towards our God-given purpose as his followers, as we participate in his kingdom work here on earth, the interim between Jesus's death and his return. For the next, these parables were told over and over by Jesus to invite people to live into a new story. And so for the next few weeks, we'll be looking at these selected parables, kingdom stories that will help us imagine and define our roles today as we live life with God. This morning, we'll look at the parable of the 10 minas from Luke chapter 19. We'll compare and contrast the servants in the parable of how they stewarded the resources given to them. We'll also discuss what it looks like to live a focused life, one where by the end of our lives, we can look back at the legacy we've left behind and enjoy the fruit that comes from living a purpose-filled life. Many of us have the resources to spend a lot of time and energy just thinking about our retirement funds and contributions and making sure those are established, not just for ourselves, or, but even for our kids, right? But what about our spiritual legacy and our ultimate spiritual contribution to this world as followers of Jesus? Similar to retirement funds, these contributions don't just happen overnight. It takes decades and decades of focused and intentional living. I'll introduce a few principles I learned in a course I took at Fuller Seminary called Lifelong Development that will help us think strategically about each decade of our lives so that by the end of our life, we can enjoy the fruits of a life well-lived for eternity. Doesn't that sound exciting? Let's dive into the passage. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, 
A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servants, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. The second came and said, sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it, give it to the one who has 10 minas. Sir, they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. For as, but as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. The parable tells the story of a nobleman who gives 10 of his servants, people who have chosen to work for him and gave them all the exact same amount, 10 minas. One mina is equivalent to three months of wages. So this is quite a significant amount of money. He expected them to do business with what was given. Now, not everyone saw this nobleman as a potential king. Remember, he was about to go to a distant country to, to appoint himself as king and was going to return as king. There were citizens of the country who rejected him already as king. But the assumption is that these 10 servants said yes to receiving him as king and agreed to put the minas that were given to him to them to work. Though many people had rejected him to be king, he was still made king when he returned. And so he called upon three of his servants to see what they did with the minas while he was away. The first, two mina, the first two servants had invested the minas wisely. The first one had earned 10 more and the second servant earned five more. In both instances, the servants were rewarded and were entrusted with even more. In fact, they became in charge of cities. In the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, it's a similar parable, though not exactly the same. And the master responds to both the servants, the both both of the first two servants in the same way. Well done, good and faithful servant, even though they brought back different amounts. I personally like 
um, the parable of the minas in Luke a little bit more because each of the servants start off with the same amount. Whereas in Matthew with the parable of the talents, the master gives them different amounts to invest in. And, and you know, that can seem a little unfair and it can distract from the focus of the passage. But back to Luke. The point is these first two servants, they finished well. And I wonder what they did to be able to finish well, especially in contrast with the third servant, which we'll look at in just a bit. It kind of reminds me of planning a trip. I'm in Enneagram 7. I like to plan fun activities like family outings or fun trips for our family. Even when we were meeting in per person, I like to plan special events for our church like trunk or treat or appreciation parties for our volunteers. When you're planning a trip, and you Enneagram 7s know what I'm talking about here, you have this vision in mind, including what you wanna make sure happens and what you don't wanna happen. And, and you learn that you, know, you can only have so much control over certain elements. Some things you just don't have control over, like the weather or delayed or canceled flights. But when you plan for something, there are things that are in your control. There are essential elements that you wanna make sure are there so that by the end of the trip, you can say, it doesn't matter that it rained during the entire luau, which happened during our trip to Hawaii last year, um, or that the flight was delayed by 10 hours. That trip was worth it and it was meaningful. And I'm so glad that I put the energy and the time to make it happen. We can think similarly when we plan out our life. There are many things that just aren't in our control, but in the end, we can look back and say, we did what we could with the time and resources that we were entrusted with. And we're grateful for how it all turned out because we stewarded our time on earth, living for his kingdom come. A major perspective principle is this, begin with the end in mind. When we have a life purpose and we know where we're headed, we can finish well. At Access, we oftentimes use the words big rocks. What are our big rocks? We use this analogy because it helps us to stay focused on our vision, to not be sidetracked by things that shouldn't consume our energy, um, our time, our finances, or our attention. Here's one way to look at it. If we focus on the things that matter the most to us, all the other elements in our life will fall into place in between the empty spaces. But if we focus on the other elements, the smaller rocks in the sand, the things that matter less to us, we wouldn't be able to fit the big rocks into our life. The question to ask ourselves is, what are these big rocks in our life? A lot of times we see big rocks as being tangible things to attain, maybe even milestones in life, like buying your first home, your first car, getting married, having kids, going on vacation to far off places for the first time. These are all fine and good things to attain in life, but they may not be the big rocks that lead to a focused life as we participate in God's kingdom work here on earth. Maybe we've focused so much on attaining these smaller rocks that we haven't left room in our lives for the big rocks, 
the focal elements that we've been entrusted to steward well. And for some of us, we can feel rushed or lacking something because we're so consumed with attaining certain things that it's left us paralyzed and unable to move forward in the way that he's invited us to live life with him. Let's take a closer look at the story of this third servant. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here's your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? There are a few issues with the third servant's response. First, he accuses his master of robbing and stealing from him by saying, you take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. He's essentially saying, this is mine, not yours, and I should be able to do what with I should be able to do what I want with it. His commitment and his loyalty to his master are questionable. Second, he calls his master a hard man and says he was afraid of him. But was his master really a hard man? Or was the servant just making excuses? The third servant's character is questionable. And lastly, by keeping the minas in a piece of cloth, he wasn't even keeping it safe. As the master says in verse 22, he could have deposited it so that it can accrue interest, but he didn't even bother to do this. The third servant's priorities were not in order. He thought the task was optional for him. The master entrusted something to the servant and the servant had a variety of choices to make throughout the time the master was away. But the role that was given to him was not optional. I'd like to introduce to you the three C's, the essentials to living a focused life, commitment, character, and call. This is especially important when you're in your 20s and your 30s to develop. Again, this is adapted from the course, Lifelong Development, taught by Dr. Bobby Clinton. Commitment. It's an absolute surrender to Jesus for whatever he wants for you. The third servant, though he identified himself as one who was loyal to the king, his stewardship of the minas was not aligned to the king's wishes. He put his own priorities over the king's character. Character formation is a response to God as he shapes you, not to change who you are, but as we say at Access, to live into our true and whole selves. It's building integrity, doing the things that you say you'll do. It's a time to find restoration and attain freedom from past guilt and addiction to sin. And most importantly, it's developing a lifelong learning posture. If you think you've arrived and you're set, there won't be much movement towards a focused life. Keep learning and keep growing because we don't wanna miss out on God's movement in our lives. 
even when things are hard. And lastly, the third C is call. This comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're created to serve in, in some ministry capacity where it will be a focus in our lives. And it may or may not be full-time vocational ministry. The most important thing is that this ministry is crucial for you. More important than whatever job used to provide your finances. Notice the difference between a job and a call. The call to Christ is for everyone, not just for pastors or missionaries. There's a unique call that comes with a vocational call. But when we look at Luke's passage and Ephesians, we were all created by God to join him in his kingdom work here on earth that he called us in advance to do. And doing the work is not optional. The key here is to learn to say yes and no, so you can stay focused on the big rocks so you can move towards living a focused life. In every decade of life, there's an element we can focus on while we move towards a focused life. This was created by Dr. Robert Clinton, who studied the lives of hundreds of leaders who lived faithfully and some common themes that he observed. I'll be leading a learning lab called A Focused Life in December. So if you want to learn more about the elements of this diagram, be sure to sign up for it next month. There are a couple of things I want to point out today. Notice the big arrow moving towards a focused life. You have to know where you're headed and a life purpose statement, guiding principles, a rule of life, all of these things we promote and offer in faith walking groups, formation groups, and LTI workshops. These are all tools to help you have direction, spiritual direction that as followers of Christ and participants in his kingdom work, God, God desires for us all to have. Second, notice that there's a season for everything. If you're an achiever or want to see things happen in your life instantaneously, or if you're frustrated that you're not making much progress in one area or another, remember that time is involved when doing deep processing towards a focused life. There's no need to rush to get there. And if you're already in your 40s, 50s, 60s, or 70s, and you're still not sure what your life purpose statement is or ministry calling that you have, that's okay. You can start now. This is just a human-made timeline based on a leader's research. God is sovereign. He's Lord over all. And what he looks at is your heart and your motivation today. And as you hear these words and look at this timeline, don't be discouraged. I hope it actually just motivates you to earnestly seek God's heart for a purpose and focus in ministry that he might be calling you to today. What we want to achieve as participants of his kingdom work is a satisfying life of being and doing. Dr. Clinton calls it ministry flows out of being. When we have ministry, but we aren't whole in our being, that can be really dangerous. And some of us know, some of us know leaders who are like that. 
when we don't have ministry, but we are just being. We can get too cozy and comfortable, and that's only a portion of the gospel that we're living out. Some of us might have experienced failure, disappointment, trauma in life, or even when serving in ministry. I've been there. And it can be really hard to even have the emotional and spiritual capacity to think about what it looks like to serve in ministry again. I haven't defined what participating in God's kingdom work looks like for us. I think that's between you and the Lord and and it may or may not be serving in a ministry at Access. If you believe that this season of life is for you to focus on being a parent and, and staying at home, I think that's a beautiful and wonderful thing. How can you expand your influence while also focusing on parenting? It can be hosting a play group, or for more introverted folks, it can be coordinating a meal train and delivering the meal with your child so they can see you modeling kindness and generosity. Our call in a season does not need to be confined to our nuclear family. We can reprioritize activities to include ministry to others as a part of our children's discipleship and our own. If you believe that this season of life is for you to focus on work, that's a great thing too. Perhaps your ministry at work is mentoring coworkers or witnessing to them about who God is in your life. Perhaps it's starting a learning group around racial righteousness, which was shared by someone in our call to commitment online group, or, or maybe starting a prayer group before the workday begins. The bottom line is this ministry is crucial for you. We are stewarding what's been given to us by investing in relationships, giving our time, our finances, and our talents towards God's vision for his kingdom, for his kingdom come here on earth. In verse 26, the passage ends with Jesus saying, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. If we use the resources entrusted to us for our own selfish purpose, we lose everything. But those who use it for God's kingdom gain everything. This is the story of God's new kingdom that Jesus was inviting people into. It was a new story that he wanted them to live in their lives back then and it's a new story that he invites us into today. If ministry flows from being, then investing in our beingness is a wise one and moves us towards our ultimate contribution and life purpose. And so if this is a period where you need to be investing in your being and not serve in some capacity, that's okay. At Access, we are very intentional about giving people the tools and the resources to get back on your feet so you can be living in the way that God intended for you to live. We provide scholarships for counseling, spiritual direction, life coaching, spiritual formation, workshops and retreats, you name it. We are in the business of investing in your beingness because we believe that ministry and participation in God's kingdom work 
flows out of a healthy sense of being. <sighs> there was a lot that was shared today. So I wanna invite you to take a moment to reflect on what you've just heard. Whenever you're ready to take a faithful step to say this prayer. If you'd like to learn more about living a focused life with God, I'll be leading a learning lab on Wednesday, December 9th from 8 to 9 p.m. on Zoom. Be sure to look out for signups. And now, let's say our sending prayer together. Loving God, through all our years, let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it, where we envision peace and work to build it where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, where we discover gifts and offer them. May your spirit guide us toward joy and generosity. In Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus, amen. <laughs>